0: Hi guys, my name's Adele Yango, and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Okay, so quick question, did last week's episode have the intro jingle or not? <laughs> And if it didn't, I'm just so sorry. I do not know where my mind was. Um, But hey, this episode has the jingle. I can even play it twice if you want (laughs) to make up for last week. So I mentioned in last week's episode that I'm going to be giving you a song every week. And it's a song that I've probably been listening to on loop. I think I've told you about this song before a couple of episodes ago. when I talked about going through a heartbreak. (laughs) And listening to this particular song in the boardroom of the company I worked at, at the time. And I was listening to it on loop and I was crying. And then I feel a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's the CEO. (laughs) How embarrassing. Like, I just play back to that time and I'm like, oh my God. Thank God he didn't ask me to explain myself. But... (laughs) The song, back to the song. The song is by Erica Badu. It's called Didn't You Know? I'll put a link to it in the description box. Watch the video. It's so poetic, I think. It really captures that mood of knowing or looking back rather at decisions that you've made. And you're just like, whoo, I think I took a wrong turn here. I would say read the lyrics as well. Especially if you love poetry, which I do. There's a bit at the end where she says, Love is life and life is free. Take a trip of life with me. Free your mind and find your way. There will be a better day. That part of the song is 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 my favorite bit. I feel like it relates to anything that I'm going through. Be it a heartbreak <laughs> or just feeling... Anyway, I'll tell you more about my feelings in a bit. But, so there's that, and then stay listening until the end of the episode, because there is a way that you can share your story on this podcast. Yup, you can be on Legally Clueless, and I'll give you more details about that later on in this episode, so keep listening to the very end. And speaking about stories, I figured out that to trick my mind to stop overthinking, which I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who does, especially now with all the madness going on. I read a book and there's a book that I bought sometime last year and I haven't read it. I don't even know why, by the way. (laughs) But this week I decided, hey, I shall finish it. And it's The Last Black Unicorn. So it's a book by Tiffany Haddish. It's pretty interesting. It's funny that as soon as I started reading it, I started reading it in her voice. (laughs) I think it's something about how it's written. But I've actually just finished it. And there is a quote... She says one of her friends said, everyone has their own personal pain and their own demons and no one will talk about it. And that's why they never get better. They're all afraid to talk about it. And then Tiffany reacted to her friend's quote and said, I guess I'm not afraid to talk about it. It just hurts a lot when I do. That actually really spoke to me because of what this entire episode is about. I'm dreading Tuesday and I'll tell you why a little later in this episode. But first, I do hope that you're attempting to cope well or even coping well with everything that is happening. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of worries, a lot of anxiety. Man, just like a whole wave of emotions. So I even tried to like write out some of what I'm feeling currently. One, of course, is helplessness. Although this week I kind of cracked it, I think I was feeling helpless because I felt like, other than social distancing at home, et cetera, et cetera, I I wanted to go out and do more in vulnerable communities in terms of making sure the people who do not have the luxury of working from home or even missing one day of work have access to like food, some necessities sorted out so that their worries can reduce. I was having layers of investigating like my privilege. What exactly can I do to help? And then it came to me that most of the time, even just what I've described, we think help has got to be this huge, grand, big gesture that is changing an entire community or country or county or it has to be grand. I think for a long time, that's kind of how I approached most of the things that I do. So even when it comes to working with the youth, I used to feel really bad when we would give out, let's say, three to five scholarships. By we, I mean like my initiative because I was like, so we've only helped five people. What about all of the other young Africans or young Kenyans who I know would need this, I haven't done anything. So at that point, of course, I'm thinking that my impact has got to be this huge grand thing that all of a sudden sorts out all issues that young people are going through. I approach, say, wanting to help survivors of rape with the same thing, like where I'm like, uh, I need to get safe 247's curriculum completely locked down so that i can help all survivors of rape sometimes it makes me very i don't know impatient with the process so impatient with dotting all the i's and crossing all the t's which is what the psychologists are doing i'm like we need to do it now we need to do it now and solve it for all the hundreds and thousands of of survivors globally even And guys, when you focus on this big grand gesture, I'm not saying it's not achievable. It is, but it takes time and it takes a lot of effort. And sometimes you feel guilty if it takes too long. You feel worthless and helpless when it takes too long. So it dawned on me that huge change can happen as a collective of like things that we do that we deem to be small but are actually very impactful and very powerful and it's things that we can do within our spheres of influence everyday influence so for me it means the guards where we stay figuring out the daytime guard and the nighttime guard do their families have food cuz we all rush to stock up our homes and blah 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 but the people we interact with on a daily do their homes have food? Okay, we can make sure that we stock up their homes. There's a curfew. What does that mean for them who have to come to work because missing one day of work is not a privilege that they have. All right, so what do we need to adjust? Everything that's happening has meant that transportation costs are much higher. Okay, how do we either cater for that or subsidize that? Those are aspects that you can actually implement. And and just by doing that, you've really impacted somebody's life, right? And not just their life, like their life and their family's life. And then even just your friends and your, your family. I... Man, just a phone call to check up on your friends and your family. I had a video, you know, WhatsApp video. I had a group call with two of my girlfriends earlier on in the week, and we spoke for I think from like three forty-five to seven thirty. There, I didn't. I think we may have broken WhatsApp video call, or it has like an hourly cut off because. It kept cutting off after an hour. That's exactly how we knew that hey, we've spoken for hours. But for those hours, I felt so much lighter. I felt calmer. It Not karma. Calmer. <laughs> it did something for me. I had one with my sister and my brother-in-law as well. And it just, I can't explain it. It did something. Something that I can't quantify. That can't really be purchased. Why those two phone calls stand out for me. It wasn't a phone call that I initiated. It's people who care for me, who are just like, yo, what are you doing? Um, Let's jump on a call. Or, you know, I have called some of my friends and checked up on them. But the reason I'm focusing on these two is because it was people checking up on me almost indirectly. Being on the receiving end, I can say like, it feels good. It it helps keep you feeling connected. It helps. It helps. And then there's a lot of people who've been using their skill and, and, and sharing their skill for free online. You know, I have a friend who ran a free writer's workshop online. So it's like, for filmmakers so screenwriting and all of that hoo-ha normally i mean he's a lecturer so normally people would not have access to the knowledge he has but he's given it for free i know a few therapists who have done skype sessions for free with people online and it seems like because it's your skill it seems like something that is not very impactful but oh my word it helps And so looking at things from that angle have really helped me feel less helpless. And I can think a bit more rationally about what I'm actually doing to help and what I can say, use my voice to do to help. I did feel obviously anxiety, man, because it's just like, what exactly does the future look like? So we're doing this social distancing thing for how long? What is the impact on the economy going to have on my industry and my craft and my livelihood? What impact is it going to have on the livelihood of the people that I care about and interact with, you know? Um, so I've been very anxious about that. And the worst thing about that one is like, I don't even know how to sort out that one, you know? I am feeling a bit of guilt because I'm working, obviously, from home. And I'm like, people the world over, their lives have been disrupted. Some people have lost their loved ones. And I'm working. I don't know. I feel a bit guilty over that. Please ignore the kids screaming in the background. My neighbor's child. (sighs) And by the way, nothing is happening to this kid. I don't know what's so fascinating about screaming to this child. But um, anyway, <laughs> if you hear him in the background, please, just nobody getting beaten or slaughtered or anything. This kid just derives pleasure from screaming. So back to guilt. I feel guilty sometimes for sharing anything to do with Corona because on social media. I stumble on some things especially on Twitter, either news updates or people doing like their commentaries and their opinion pieces on on everything that's happening. And sometimes I read them and I I learn something which is great, and sometimes I find them extremely triggering. It just depends on where I am at and what the content is, right? And so when I share it, I'm just like, "Oh my god, I hope what I'm putting out there is not triggering." to somebody who was just going about their day and then interacted with this thing. And then, because, you know, if you're not in Kenya, the government implemented a curfew. So it's a 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew. The enforcement of the curfew is a big issue because they called in security personnel, so GSU, cops across the country Because of the nature of people's jobs and because of the changes in transportation, there are people who cannot, as I said, work from home or stay home. That's a privilege. There are people who have to go to work every day. There are people whose employers did not let them leave the office or their workplace in time to be able to get home before the curfew started. There are people who use the means of transport that have been impacted, so there are fewer, I don't want to call matatus public transportation, because they're really not if you think about it, they're private, but there are fewer matatus to begin with, the fares have been hiked, so there are people who can't afford it and are walking, which means getting home before the curfew becomes very tricky. The police decided to use force in some areas, like beating up people and blah, blah, blah. blah. It just really takes me off. And there were people who were justifying police brutality, which is just absurd to me because they are there to protect the citizens, the Kenyans, and they should understand Nobody wants to be out when there's a pandemic. So if they're out, chances are they really don't have a choice. So I'm not sure what violence does in this situation. But there were people who online were saying, you know, it's justified if you don't beat Kenyans. They don't understand things. And I was just like, what is this nonsense? So I spoke up about it on Twitter. And then my mentions just went to the ghetto and... I was like, this is why I just don't like this face, man. Because then you get insulted. (sighs) So I was feeling like, now why did I even open my mouth? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why did I talk about this? Obviously, emotions are high, but... The trolls, even during Corona, the trolls are alive and kicking, you guys. Like, (laughs) you'd think that, you know, they would take some time out. Ah, They're also working from home and working very hard. You know, in the last episode, Wang who's a clinical psychologist, said we really have to be cautious about what we read, what we expose ourselves to. And so I've been trying to do that. Turn off my phone. I've actually turned off my phone in some instances but I, I also feel like <laughs> I'm actually not I'm not okay. I'm not okay right now because of the uncertainty in the world and because this Tuesday um marks eight years since my mom died. My mom died twenty twelve, thirty first March. It was a Saturday. Ugh, such a nonsense day. I don't know why it's hitting me harder this year. I don't know if it's um that I'm already oh uh, emotionally, whew, I don't have a word for that, so I'm just gonna say whew, <laughs> because of everything that's happening, so i'm it's found me in a very emotional s- space. I don't know if it's that, but I definitely know it's hitting me harder than normal, and I know I'm not okay. you know yesterday, my husband I guess he just has been noticing that I'm not okay. <laughs> He asked me, are you okay? And I said, no. And then he asked me, what hurts? Is it your brain, your mind, your hand? Because my hand is a whole other situation right now. Or is it your body? And I said, it's everything. And so for the past two nights, I've been waking up at 4 a.m. without fail. 4 a.m. on the dot. First thought I have is my mom. I don't understand it. I've I've never experienced I told you guys, me, insomnia or lack of sleep is not something I experience. If anything, oversleeping is what's an indication to me that something is wrong. So this is new. This is very, very new. Um, I chatted with my best friend Val. You guys know her. She's been on the podcast before. I told her I do not know why it's breaking me so bad this year because she checked up on me and she... I guess because she's lost her mom, so she understands the closer you get to certain days and dates, things could be tricks. I found it very sweet, though, that she, she actually sets an alarm or an alert on her phone for my mom's... I don't know what they call that day. Because anniversary is a word... That depicts. or your first thought is like happiness, right? So it's like, so it's like your wedding anniversary, but anniversary of someone's death. There's no happiness there. But anyway, so she set an alarm for the thirty-first, which I thought was pretty sweet. <sighs> but definitely, this time is very different. Normally, I would be able to fake I'm okay. So back when I had a live radio show, you know, I'd go to work, do my job. Laugh with people on air, conduct interviews, play music, do the whole shebang, and nobody would ever know something was off. Not the listeners, not my colleagues, not even my co host. I would normally wake up on that day, text my sisters that morning, check if they're okay, and say, I'm okay. Even if I wasn't fully okay, I'd just be like, I'm good. Not because I can't be 100% myself with my sisters, but I have an annoying personality trait where I want to keep everything to myself so that I don't stress other people. I don't know. I don't know why I do it because inevitably I explode and then I end up stressing people because when I explode, it's not pretty. Back to what I'd normally do. I would either just sleep when I get home from work or finish doing what I need to do, or write, journal. So I don't know what I'm going to do on Tuesday. I don't know <laughs> I don't know if Tuesday is going to break me or not. <sighs> but what I did do, maybe it's the social distancing and being at home uh, gave me a lot of time. Because I can feel like I'm on the verge of breaking. I don't even know if that makes sense. But it's like you're standing on the ledge and you're just like, you don't have the power to either push yourself off and jump or walk backwards. I don't know if that makes sense, but maybe somebody who's going through grief will understand that. So it's almost like I just, I'm like, see, then just brick me so that then I can over the week piece myself back together because this pre-breaking feeling it's, it's too much so I ended up checking out some of the interviews my mom did so for those who didn't know my mom you know was a breast cancer awareness champion and she was leading an organization on it and then a couple of years before she died she joined the national commission of integration and Commit. Cohesion, Yes, that. Because of the nature of her job, she ended up doing a lot of interviews. And when she died, there were tributes and stuff like that. Normally, I try to stay away from those things on YouTube. But this time, because I'm like, see, I just break. I opened up my YouTube and started watching all of her interviews and all of her tributes. And I got to, through the tributes here, a lot of things that my mom had done that I didn't even know that she had done eh? like some really inspiring stuff I got to hear her laugh and it's wild to think that I've not heard that laugh in eight years and two days because the last time I heard her laugh was the Thursday before the Saturday that she died which is weird that I remember this because I normally don't remember anything linked to trauma other than hearing her I got to see her What's wild about even the tribute story is that it was done by a reporter who I know and I used to work with. The tribute was shot, I think, the day my mom died. And so this reporter, she interviewed a lot of the cancer survivors that my mom was either friends with or had helped. And I remember this reporter had called me on that day to ask if I could say something um for this tribute remember this was somebody who we were not bossum like bffs but we worked together and so i don't know when in that moment when she called me i took offense maybe it's because i had i was so angry and so i was depositing my anger in any small thing i just deposited my anger there so maybe that's that but i i felt like you shouldn't be calling me on the day my mom has died, to ask me to be part of a tribute to her when I'm not even really understanding what her dying really means. But now that I went back and I found that tribute, I'm very thankful that she did it. I've actually never watched it. (laughs) I've seen it before on YouTube, but I just kept scrolling. Um, But I watched it, and here's bits of it. I mean Mary fought for us, and saying she fought for us is not just breast cancer, she actually fought for cancer in the country. During my treatment she came to visit me in 2002, and uh, from that day I took Mary as my sister and my mother. So Mary came up with this idea where you mount the mammography uh, unit on a truck, and uh, went around the country in screening for breast cancer. I, I remember Mary as a fighter, survivor. Um, somebody who was also, when, they put, when she put her mind to something, she will see it through. So like even the stuff about mounting the mammography unit on a truck, I used to volunteer with her organization and go for all of these drives and stuff. Never once did I know that was like my mom's idea. Clearly she was a much more humble person than me because if it were me everybody would have known. So I didn't stop at the tribute. I kept digging through YouTube because I initially started off by wanting to break. But after watching the tribute, I was like, okay, I I think I just want to see her. And there's an interview that she did in Kiswahili. And one of the questions they asked her, because, you know, my mom divorced my dad way, way, way back was about her love life which is quite interesting because nobody ever asked her that <laughs> and when she was answering that question is when she laughed and that's one of the things that I miss hearing is, is just hearing her laugh <laughs> 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 I have a boyfriend wetu tulikuwa na was uh Lakini me Niko Pekiangu Nasina Shida. Mm-hmm. Sina Saiya <laughs> Kwanzaa story a kushuguli kia boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh sababu sazile nikitoka kazini sasanataka tu kupumzika. Let me tell you, grief is freaking ridiculous. It's 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 so tough. It's one of the hardest things that I've ever had to deal with because it takes so many different faces. Even in like the span of 24 hours, my grief can be or can manifest as tears, like crying intensely. And then it can become happiness when you you remember certain memories. And then it can become fear and worry about life and how you're going to go about it without the person that you've lost. It's I think that nature of grief is what makes it so hard to deal with because you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach to it in terms of your coping mechanisms. They have to be pretty flexible because it takes a different face every time. And then you also have to allow yourself to feel and allow yourself to break. And that's currently what I'm, I'm trying to do because I can feel myself breaking over it and I have to kind of allow myself to break. So I'm going to need all the positive vibes. I know there are not so many in the world currently because of all that's happening. But if you have a few to spare, do send those my way. I had initially thought of putting an 100 African story in this episode. I'd edited it and produced it and everything that works. But I, it's already a very heavy episode. So I'm going to save the story that was meant to go on this episode for next week. So I do have an announcement. I was meant to make this announcement right after the podcast turned one, but then Corona happened. Via the podcast hotline number, you can actually get featured on Legally Clueless. If you feel you have a story to share, which I know you do because I see all of the very many DMs. (laughs) All you have to do is record uh, one minute or so Audio notes, you can record it on WhatsApp and send it to me via the podcast hotline number. Basically, just telling me what story you want to share. Remember, it has to be something that you have either experienced or witnessed. And then what I will do is I'll send you some story prompts to help you unpack the story further. And then we will set up a Skype call where I can record you to feature you on Legally Clueless. So the podcast hotline number is drumroll. Hey, what's the number? Okay, plus 254-768-628-790. Six, six, and I will put the podcast hotline number in the description box and i will also share this on our instagram page that's legally clueless podcast so make sure you follow 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 and join the tribe and yeah i'm just sending you peace peace of mind peace of body peace of soul and that's it for this episode of legally clueless you can share this podcast with your friends you can keep it for yourself i'm not judging just make sure you're here next week for the next episode